0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to What's Next Podcast. Dave and Blair. Blair, how are you today?
1: Dave, I'm doing well, brother. Good to see you. Great to see you. We had a nice Labor Day weekend. I just received pictures of friends in
0: Colorado in the snow. Yeah, I had Montana relatives send me the exact same one day earlier. (laughs) 80 degrees one day, snow in the next. Well, good news. In Texas, it'll knock down to 85, so that's uh... great. Well, last week we stopped... We had a technical breakdown of battery power. Yeah, right as Marvin was talking about getting PTSD from working through Hurricane Katrina. But it worked out as a good spot to stop and break off, and now we got part two. Man, I went back and listened to one. It is awesome. What a great story.
1: Well, as a guy who spent his entire career in sales, the idea that someone within a year takes a 70% pay cut and then builds it up bigger than it was before... After making the crucial error of printing his phone number in the newspaper, I'm what's the word? I am uh,
0: fabulously looking forward to it. I'm yeah. um, all that, those things. That's Marvin LeBlanc. And Marvin's going to go into some pretty detailed explanation of the systems that he used to build it back up. So let's get started. Yeah, let's get Marvin on the phone.
1: Marvin, are you with us? I think Dave's got a question.
0: All right, Marvin, tell us a little bit about your first couple of days back with your team and the discussions that you had with your team. Hey, I know everything sucks. Our customers are gone and spread out and everywhere, but how are we going to attack this thing?
2: Excellent. So um, the first thing I want to say is uh, I'm going to give some valuable information, some free resources, to your people. And what I'm fixing to cover is the five key systems that I had in place that uh, helped me get through literally the storm. The first thing is I went from nine employees uh, to one employee uh, and still had to service the entire book of business with uh, thousands of claims coming in. And so obviously I use technology, um, But uh, I didn't get the entire team back at at one time. The timeline for some audience viewers that didn't hear before, the timeline was August 29th. I never was uh, of of 2005. I was never going to return to to my original office. I did not get another office until uh, April 1st of 2006. So from... August 28th of 05 to April 1st of 2006, uh, I still needed to conduct business. In that first 90 days after August 29th of 2005, I lost 68% of my income. Yeah, that's right. You heard right. I lost 68% of my income, uh, which I wouldn't recommend for anybody listening. No, it Uh, seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it's not a good idea. And so what ended up happening is I couldn't get paid, uh, commission on premium that was not paid. And the premium was not being paid because the insurance commissioner put a mandate that nobody was going to be getting bills. So, so none of the customers had to pay the bills. And oh, by the way, we didn't have a post office in St. Bernard Parish, uh, 12 feet of water so there was no way for anything to be delivered and so as a result obviously I took a financial hit and then one by one in answer to your question one by one I had to hire new team members because my old team members they were finding love in other states or other cities um as a matter of fact this is going to blow you out you might have But there's a place called Taylor, Texas, and in Taylor, Texas, uh, one of my 19-and-a-half-year employees moved with her little girl to Taylor, Texas. All books were paid for, and they assigned her little girl a friend, and that little friend went with uh, her daughter everywhere. Well, they were getting as good or better of an education uh, in a public school in Texas than paying for private school over here in Louisiana. So shout out to Texas. Nobody should talk about their public schools. I'm just saying my, my perception of it, uh, is solid.
0: Well, and in, in their defense, Taylor, Texas is the home of Louis Mueller barbecue, which is top five brisket in the state.
2: I did not know this information. Uh I have been to Taylor Texas one time and it was on the back of a Honda Goldwing going GL1800 but uh that's a story for another time. Uh so so uh what I think you're getting at is what systems what were you thinking? Right. How can how can that listener right now come back from crisis right now? We got listeners that are literally in a crisis. Uh even if you're not listening right now in the middle of a COVID crisis I promise you, for all that I am, you will have another crisis coming up shortly, because all of us have stuff. Right? We're not life is so risky. We're not even getting out alive.
0: Yeah, it's not okay? if, it's when.
2: Correct. So here's what happened. Uh, I had heard that um, there's a little organization called the Navy SEALs, and um, uh, I had read a couple of books on a Navy SEALs. Well, the Navy SEALs. Uh, does everything in pairs. And so I said to self, self, that's what I call me when I'm having that conversation. I said, self, if it's good enough for the Navy SEALs, I wonder if um, if I worked in pairs, uh, could that help me? Because uh, one of the challenges that business owners have, uh, even not inside of a crisis, is to bring on high talent, uh, bring on high integrity people, bring on people with work ethic, and how do we get those people trained? Well, I didn't have time for that. And so what I did was I started tandem appointments. And for all of you that are listening that are in the financial industry or the retail industry or whatever, uh, on-the-job training is hard to replace in a training room versus on the actual job, and so uh, on Ju- in June of two thousand seven, uh, I was horrible doing horrible in my premium credit to make what is called Chairman Circle. And every company has a certain name. Basically, Chairman Circle is your one percent top producers. So it's june twenty fourth of two thousand and seven. Uh, I remember it vividly because um, uh, my first employee ever who was with me, also another employee that was with me 19 and a half years, June 24th of 2007 was her last day. And so I'm sitting on June 24, 2007, and I had uh, one fourth of the uh, the requirements that I needed for Chairman Circle. So I started conducting tandem appointments and what I found out, and this is useful for anybody that's listening. If you think you're good in your industry and you are doing one-on-one presentations alone, keep in mind, I have done 19,700 one-on-one sales presentations alone, 19,700, maybe a little higher, uh, But in June 24th, 2007, so what what I had, maybe four and a half months left before um, the end of the year to get all of my guidelines met, I started having tandem appointments. So it was me and a team member with the customer. And what I discovered, quite frankly, on accident, is when uh, an individual is a presenter He's listening, or she is listening and recording and and developing and uncovering needs. And what I had found, David, was uh, when I did it alone, I'd end up with about three or four items. But yet, when I did it with another team member while I was recording, that team member was also listening. And what was discovered is how much, if you're doing just a one on one presentation, How much of the conversation is being missed? And so instead of having three or four items, we started literally looking down. I was doing something called a client profile, which is a fancy word for a one-sheet document. I'm really big into one-sheet documents. And I was finding we were doing eight items instead of three and four. So what did that lead to? Huge momentum.
0: It's very, very hard to listen while you're talking.
2: It it's just so much to process.
0: Yeah. And Blair uh, and I talk about that a lot. And you know, listening is not waiting to talk. And I stole that from you. But that tandem and I appointment. I stole it.
2: Yeah, and I stole it from Don Clements of Lee Summit, Missouri. Right. Because I heard it in a uh, uh uh an agent development uh training program. And he's the one that said it in a meeting. Listening is not waiting to talk. Oh, my God. It smacked me in the head. It was a nugget that that has rung true. And salespeople, the worst thing about salespeople is they want to tell everybody about all of their knowledge. And the reality is there's only a few questions that the customer wants answered. And matter of fact, I even have those questions wrote down. Today, in case you uh, wanted to ask about them.
0: So, what questions should we ask our clients?
2: Man, well, let's start. Here's what they're thinking about. They're thinking, hmm, what is it that this person is offering? And that seems obvious, but there's a lot of people out there that don't really truly know what they offer. You know, there's people in insurance that believe that what we're offering is to sell a policy. No customer ever has wanted a policy. What they want is protection. They want peace of mind. They want the ability to keep their nest egg because in my age, I'm 58 years old. OK, I don't want to start over at 58. Uh, I don't need the stock market to do 20 percent. I just need some guarantees. I need capital conservation at this age. So the first question they ask is, what is it? The second question that buyer is asking is, how does it work? You have to get it clear in their mind. How does it work? They gotta know that. And so when you're preparing, uh, for talking to a client, you need to prepare in your mind. What is it that I'm offering? How does it work? Am I using language? Not like, uh, with Blair. You see, we said AFO earlier. Well, Blair, you know, that, that we shouldn't have used that word because that's not a word that was familiar to him. So we do, uh, what is it? How does it work? Okay. How much does it cost?
1: Oh, the big one.
2: Oh, the big one. Uh, And uh, we we don't have time to talk about price versus value. Um, Sometimes people, uh, sometimes I sell a product to somebody, but a lot of times they just buy it. And many people listening to me right now don't know the difference. Sometimes I sell a product, a lot of times they just buy it in my early career in the eighties uh I was in- involved as the career was at that time in pushing and being proactive, quite frankly with live broadcasting Facebook private groups that I'm in. Basically, my marketing now is pool marketing. What I do is talk to the people who have raised their hand and say, "Hey, Marvin." I'd like to hear a little more about that. The people that hire me to go in and consult with their company that's stuck in underperformance, what they really want is for me to slow down and break it down into language that they can transfer to the customer. So, You know,
1: Marvin, you, you, uh, you reminded me of something in my recruiting business. Oftentimes, there are firms that have a product that is not popular, maybe good, but maybe people people don't know about it. And then there are firms that are wildly popular. They've been around forever. They're a household name, et cetera. And what the hiring manager will tell me is don't bring me a salesperson from the well-known organization. People buy their product. I need someone who can sell a product. And so they discount their salespeople as it's too easy for them. Uh, And so you're touching on a little bit of that. When you're talking about what the customer wants, is this something that you formulated in your mind? And is is that sort of like, was it a, I don't know, a a light bulb over your head? Oh, this is a little bit more simple than I've been making it. Is that what kind of uh, led you to write a book about your experience or or how how does that tie in?
2: So, so this nugget that's coming, this is golden. This right here is going to change the commission checks of hundreds of your listeners when I tell you this. I had 19 people tell me no or tell me to leave their house when I was in late 80s, early 1990s. I had 19 rejections. The average person, if they were told no, 19 19- uh, hardly anybody ever gets told 19 times because they usually bail out the uh, the industry in four <laughs> yeah, or five I'm, or six I'm done.
1: times. Yeah, no kidding.
2: But the reason I didn't is um, I had a $35,000 loan with my dad's best friend in high school, the banker. Okay, so Crawford Bishop, I was thinking thirty five thousand dollars and I couldn't possibly go tell dad I was going to bail out of this career. That's the that's a that's truly uh, what happened. But what I started doing, Blair, was I started taking notes of what did work. And when all of that was drizzled down, it was drizzled down into four words, because, as you know, I'm Cajun. And so everything's got to be simple. And one day, I wrote these four words on just a torn piece of paper and slid it under my glass, under my uh, on my desk. And the words were have, h a v e, like, dislike, and want. And so I memorized those four words. And uh, when you memorize those four words, those are all four intentionally designed, open-ended questions. And they do need to be covered in that order or, or order. So here it goes. You and I, we run into each other at a convenience store. We're in a line at a bank, what, wherever. Uh, we start with, what do you have? Or, uh, you, you know, you say, Oh, oh, you're in insurance. Well, oh, usually you'll say, Well, I have your competitor's name. Yeah. Okay. I don't have to. Getting any specifics with you right now? Follow question, and then I say to them, Blair, uh, what do you like about what you have? No one in my industry has ever told me that they ever asked that question. I believe that to be my own original intellectual property. What do you like about what you have? Now I'm asking that question for a very selfish reason, and here's the deal. If they told you what they like about the program and you as a professional can't deliver at least what they like about the program, you should have the integrity to walk away from that prospect. So when they tell me what they like, I better have that in my recommendation at the end. Otherwise, I believe I do not uh, deserve to earn that business. So I ask them what they like about the bill. What they have. What do they have? What do they like? And the dislike question is, Hey, Blair, if there was something you could change about your current coverage or about your current plan, what would that be? If there was something you could change other than price, Blair, well, why would I say other than price? So I'll have one less objection to cover because everybody thinks their price is too high regardless of what price they well, have,
1: you have very limited control over that. So why open a can of worms that you can't poke, poke back into the can?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get them. So if I don't win it on value, I'm going to lose it on price, just like I want it on price. So it's have like, dislike. And then the want question, it's all about desire. Uh, if there was a way I could develop a plan a solution, a program, whatever uh, uh, a salesperson or a professional needs to insert, uh, uh, what would you want it to look like? And so if you ask those four questions without any penetrating yes or no questions, and by the way, those yes or no questions, they're all dead ends. If somebody answers you yes or no, you don't get enough information. You don't get enough bang for your dollar in a yes or no question. So that's the process that I had developed. Of course, I don't recommend going through 19 rejections before developing the question sequence.
1: Right. So did you, is that what, um, when you formulated those, did you think, man, I just want to share these with other people and, and you wrote a book or was it more Katrina driven? What was the impetus there? So
2: within six months of having that aha, aha moment, it is a fact, I went, and had 19 straight yeses. I never have been told no 20 straight times. And I also have never been told yes 20 straight times. But I have been told yes 19 straight times and never until after I had those uh, four questions uh, uh, baked into my sequence of my conversation. The book came as a result of a lady by the name of Mickey Williams, who is a, um, a certified speaking professional and Hall of Fame speaker who got in my face very aggressively. Uh, she found out that uh, about my Katrina story from my Vistage chair. Vistage is a CEO study group. Uh, and in that uh, study group, uh, she says, you have a book in you. Uh, man, and she was all up in my face. And I said, man, uh, I got back in my car that first day and I, I thought, man, this woman's crazy as hell. Nobody wants to listen to a, a, a ass talk about all what he lost in Hurricane Katrina. And I did not listen to her. I hope y'all catch this at home. I did not listen to her for two years. For two years, I still did not sit down and write the book. And then after two years... Uh she got in my face at an event and she got so close to my face, David. She kind of spit on me a little bit. And and I, I don't take too kindly to being spit on. <laughs> it's like uh all of a sudden it came out of my mouth. All right, all right, I'll write the darn book. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, David. No. She held me to it. Yep. And that's basically without her. Uh that's when I started sitting home. I cried. 50 weekends five zero. I cried and wrote 50 weekends because I still had to work a job Monday through Friday and 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 got it all out and then um the book came out six months late uh it came out exactly at Christmas it wasn't supposed to come out in Christmas it was supposed to come out before the anniversary like in August and it didn't and then um It became a a number one Amazon Kindle, which, by the way, um, for your listeners, uh, limit one only. uh, I will send you a copy of the book signed. Um, You can buy them at MarvinLeBlanc.com. They're whatever, $15.95. Or you can buy it at Amazon. It's probably the same price. It's not going to be signed. The other thing that I'm going to do is I did not show you or talk to you about it, but many people ask me about how did I uh, come back and and make Chairman Circle uh, consecutive years. And it's because I wrote this small pocketbook called 13 Rules for Solid Business Growth. Anybody that orders uh, and they say the name Blair and David, I'm going to throw in this 13 Rules for Solid Business Growth. They can carry it in their pocket. I wanted it to be something that they would grab because this is something that they use day to day. Developing people is a day to day hour thing. Uh, Hiring great people, I don't know what they're talking about. Okay, great people are developed. I've never hired a superstar, I've created superstars. When I was hired, I wasn't a superstar. Okay, but I did listen. And I had some great people that took me under their wing in study groups. I have been committed to study groups since 1988. That is a huge part of it. So if a person wants to be great and they refuse to read and they refuse to get in study groups, I think they should just go ahead and grab a six pack, go home, get in their recliner, because they're not going to be great because they refuse to pay the price.
0: That's right. Come Hell or High Water by Marvin LeBlanc is available out there on Amazon. It is an excellent book. I've read it three times. Um, In November of 2011, I got a box and I opened the box and it was my good friend Marvin's book. I had it done by the next Monday and uh, it's just an amazing book. It's it's good. It's got great information and it's got a lot of tactics. It's got areas where you write down what you're going to change if you, a lot of us read books and we go, oh, those are such great ideas in one ear, out the other. Oh, and Marvin and I joke about this all the time, Blair. Hey, remember when we used to do that and it was really successful yeah. and then we stopped doing I it? I
1: did it so well.
0: I stopped. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Yeah. And why did we stop? Oh, I don't really remember.
2: Yeah. I really see my, 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 my role, um, as a professional reminder. Now I have unique stories and I have unique passion and, uh, I'm very goal driven. Um, I'm very, uh, accessible to the public. But the reality is, uh, it all comes from what I would call heart based selling. I actually give a damn. Um, I have a team of people that if I'm out for a couple of three days, uh, I'll, I'll admit it. I- I'm lonesome. I want to see my team. And a lot of people, they don't like their team. And what I would say to them is to go back and reevaluate. Because if you're spending a lot of time in a place, man, and and it's just like grinding teeth, that's not where they need to be. The other thing, if some of you uh, drop me a line and ask for my entrepreneur's checklist, this is a one-sheet checklist that I use uh, every day. Uh, for me to focus, to come up with my top six items, uh, that I want to do that day. Also, you need to remember, I didn't create the top six items, a guy named Andrew Carnegie from United States steel did. So in the same way that if it was good enough, uh, for the Navy seals to work in pairs, it's also good enough for Andrew Carnegie. Cause he's the one that told Napoleon Hill, uh, well, the reason I, I made United States steel corporation, number one is uh, I do my top six items every day. And old Napoleon asked him, well, what the hell is that? And so what he did is he lists only six items. And then he would decide, what is item number one, number two, and so forth? Well, Napoleon asked him, well, how did that make you successful? I started, Andrew's words, not mine, I started on number one, and I worked it either to completion or as far as I could get on it, And then I went to number two when Napoleon asked him, well, okay, well, you wrote six items down. Uh, uh, Did you finish all six items? He said, I rarely ever finish six items. Napoleon Hill was kind of scratching his head. Well, 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 what's the purpose? Well, if those six, those uh, number four, five and six that I didn't get to. Uh, they need to find that they're important enough to make it to one or two or three the next day. Hmm. Swear to God, that that right there sounds so simple that some smart people on this broadcast will not do that, that because no, they, way. yeah, 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 because they're stuck in the middle of, of 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 multitasking. You know, they're they're in love with looking busy, but they're not in love and obsessed with getting results. And looking business uh, busy and getting results do not share the same bedroom.
1: Yeah, it's a, um, I guess, a modern adaptation of that is whether it's important or urgent and, and knowing the difference. Well, Marvin, with you saying six things, it just so happens that Dave and I have six questions for you.
2: Oh, um, I'm not ready.
1: Well, mentally, I need you to get ready. Are you ready for the six questions of the What's Next podcast?
2: Here we go.
1: Numero uno. Would you rather have a pound of brisket or a pound of peeled crawfish?
2: David Ballou is sabotaging me. He knows damn good and well that pound of crawfish will win every time next question
0: these questions are for all of our guests so it's not just for you you're not special okay whether you cook or someone cooks for you would you rather it be an offset smoker a big green egg or a pellet smoker
2: you know what <clears throat> i might get this one wrong I I would go with an offset smoker.
0: That a boy. That a boy. Ding <laughs> ding 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 10. Don't play to the crowd, Dave. All right, Marvin.
1: Best meal you've ever had.
2: <laughs> best meal oh, you've
1: ever had.
2: God man. That that um mm. uh, the best meal I ever had. Oh. Uh, In South Louisiana, we got certain dishes that we like. The best white chocolate bread pudding I ever had was at the Grapevine restaurant in Donaldsonville. The best stuffed pork chop I ever had was at Giacomo's on Oak Street in New Orleans. Okay.
0: Hopefully they'll be our sponsors next week (laughs) because we love Giacomo's.
2: The best fried seafood platter is at Deeney's Seafood Restaurant in the French Quarter in New Orleans, okay? uh, If if my friends that have watched this broadcast or listened to this broadcast, uh, the best gumbo that you can get is on Causeway Boulevard in Metairie, Louisiana, and the name of that guy, his name is Chef Ron's Gumbo Stop, and Chef Ron is the top 31 chefs in, in all of New Orleans, so... That's how I got it. now the bread pudding. But
0: you pudding gotta pick souffle. one. No, you gotta pick one.
2: Uh, the bread pudding souffle at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Uh if I had my last meal, uh if I had my last meal, it would be at Fleming Steakhouse in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They got a 16 ounce filet. Uh I would have, which you wouldn't have, there's a pokey salad as an appetizer. And on that filet, they'll put a lobster on the top of that filet. Oh, yeah. Don't you hate when that happens? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, I would have, um, uh, I love key lime pie. So I'd have key lime pie with a cup of community coffee uh at the end. All right. That's that's what I would do with we're, my daughter and her husband right there and the wife.
0: We're going on vacation. Are we going to the beach or are we going to the mountains?
2: There's no beach in Marvin's life. Beach reminds me of sand and sand reminds me of sand bunkers. I'm an avid golfer. and So the sand, all of this walking on the holding hand. Oh, my God. No, no. No, put me in the mountains, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, Blue Ridge Mountains, anywhere up in there. That's me, mountains.
1: Feather or foam pillow?
2: Okay, I'm going to lose some fans right here. I'm a foam guy, but that's foam with an asterisk. I've also had 13 surgeries. I've had two back surgeries. So the foam uh, lines up a little. So I'm a foam guy. My whole first 18 years of my life, I've obviously, I was a feather and uh, no, no central heating and air in our little Cajun shack.
0: Okay, before we get to your final question, we always talk about work-life balance. Tell me what happens almost every Saturday morning in your life right now. <clears throat>
2: So sacred time for me, I have an 84 year old young father, 84 year young father, great attitude, resilient, um, uh, former sharpshooter in the United States Army. Um, And so that four and a half, five hours, uh, if somebody calls me during that four and a half, five hours flare, uh, they better be bleeding. Um, because I, 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 that, that is our sacred time. Uh, that's where I'm at on a Saturday morning. However, having said that, and we should talk a little bit about this before we end on balance. Now, this is going to be unpopular to a few of the audience members, but I personally believe that balance, as it's been presented for many, many years, balance is bullshit. Now, hang on before before we get all off, Okay. Uh, meaning that, yes, I have that Saturday morning. However, if I have a professional speaking event on that Saturday morning, I'm not going to be playing golf. I'm going to earn a living, okay? My daughter, if she has a birthday, we are definitely going to celebrate her birthday, but we might not do it that particular day. If I'm booked on a stage at Caesar's Palace, we're not going to do it that day. Now, I have talked to my uh, family. They knew ahead of time. We we we've had that set up. But uh, the uh, the illusion that when you say balanced life, some people think, well, there's 128 days. Uh, uh, 128 hours, uh, and so you sleep eight hours times seven. You take the rest of the t- time, you divide it half into work, half into life. Uh, that's just not reality. That's just that's just not reality. So, uh, homeostasis as a concept, in and of itself, I do not agree with it. Here's the thing that, if anybody disagrees, here's the proof. If I was to ask you to list the names of five people that you believe are truly great people like mahatma gandhi and 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 mother Teresa and martin luther king uh 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 uh, albert einstein
1: all hacks compared to what i've got in my mind but yeah go ahead
2: (laughs) okay great give me your two (laughs) yeah yeah. give me your two uh ben franklin okay the point is uh None of those people with the biographies I've read, including uh, uh uh Bill Gates and 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 Warren Buffett, none of those people would qualify as balance. Oh, Mother Teresa, she wasn't balanced. Was she great? She was absolutely great. Okay. The world's completely different because of her work and example. But balance, no, no. Uh balance means half and no. That's not what greatness is. No one would ever say, oh, well, Michael Jordan was balanced. The hell he was. He's not balanced. Great people are rarely balanced. And as you can tell in this conversation, I certainly am not balanced. Correct. Right.
1: Well, <laughs> your, your answer makes me excited about the sixth question, because I actually think this will be a real choice for you. Oh, boy. you have mentioned family throughout this whole thing. You've mentioned George's name countless times. So here's the last question. Watch LSU lose on the football field or have to start dating someone else?
2: Me start dating someone else? Yeah. I'd have to go with my Tigers. Yeah. Good call. It. Good call. It, it runs deep, man. It's it's so much more than a football game.
0: Well, brother, I love you so much, and I appreciate you coming on here. You've been a uh, pleasure to talk to for these two episodes, and I know Blair's gotten to know you better. And we truly appreciate you.
2: Hey, I appreciate all of y'all. Any audience, uh, y'all can reach out. I privately read all of my email. That's at Marvin Speaker at Gmail dot com, and obviously the website. Is Marvin LeBlanc? If you can remember Marvin LeBlanc, whatever platform on social media uh, that you love, I'm there.
1: Dave, what a great episode! Your buddy Marvin, uh, he is next level. As a you know, I'm kind of used to the the Cajun accent, but for those of us uh, that are not in the audience. Marvin, I think everyone can figure that out. But LeBlanc is L-E-B-L-A-N-C. So if you're like trying to figure out his website, uh, B-L-A-N-C is where you want to end on the la part of the name.
0: The Cajun Rambo never, never lets you down. He's always on top of his game. Dude, that guy's got energy for days. It is amazing. So next week, we've got some actual football on television. Well,
1: the Big 12 and the NFL are scheduled to kick off.
0: And we are crossing our fingers, praying to baby Jesus.
1: Yeah. And in celebration of that day, what we should probably do, we should probably talk about your absolute favorite thing to do on earth, which is tailgate.
0: Let's have tailgate
1: talk next week. I can't wait. Tailgate talk. Uh, can people expect recipes or, or, you know, something to come away? Cause Marvin just gave sales tips
0: from the bucket of chicken all the way to the RV. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. We look forward to it. And until then, what's next?
0: And that's where we lost Marvin. Yeah, the the uh, phone battery did not agree with us, so we had to take a little break there. Well, from what I understand,
1: Marvin is going to call back when he gets his earphones plugged, cha- charged back up. That's correct. And he's going to take us from 70% pay cut and PTSD to, I guess, the biggest comeback we've ever seen.
0: Yeah, he's going to tell us about all the systems that he used to get from the bottom back up to the top. I can't wait for everybody to hear it next week.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Marvin, charge your batteries and we'll get back with you. All right, everyone take care.